What's up, everybody? Welcome back to March Media Montage. I'm talking Evil Dead Rise, Leatherface 2017, Pet Cemetery 2, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022, Body Snatchers 1993, Species 2. 10 seconds. Damn. Nice. Yeah, I'm covering uh, six uh, films. Most of them, yeah, are horror, I admit. I've just been on a horror kick lately. I, I try and watch good films, too. I, I got a bunch of Akira uh, Kurosawa, you know, classic Japanese, like, samurai war-type films. Uh, I got a bunch of uh, Wes Anderson, David Lynch, David Cronenberg. Like, I was trying to get a little more just well-endowed films, but I was in the mood for just some horror as well as uh, the last two films being uh, horror sci-fi, more or less. You know? So... Here it is, episode 66, six films coming at you. As always, thank you for the love and support, and let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Martial Media Montage. Changing up the uh, music formula a little bit. Playing a little bit of Grover Washington Jr., A Secret Place, the full album in the background. I just, I really love that 60s, 70s, just smooth, like jazz, funk, soul. It's just, I don't know, there's something about it. It's just relaxing. And anyway, I'm talking to you guys actually about Evil Dead Rise. You would think I'd be playing like metal or something in the background, which I do enjoy metal, but uh, no, felt like a little bit of funk or jet, whatever the freaking genre you guys want to call it. Anyway, Evil Dead Rise, the tagline is Mommy Loves You to Death, which is perfect. You know, she's on the cover holding the three kids. It's great. This movie was awesome. I, I really was thoroughly impressed with it. I'm glad that they kind of just disregarded the 2013 film and then they just decided to kind of do borderline a sequel of you know what the original trilogy was <clears throat> up until uh, army darkness 1992 anyway this film just released <clears throat> late april uh 21st so what eight days ago as of this recording uh the deadites return with director lee cronin the fifth installment within the franchise and as i stated i enjoyed it a lot the film's development was preceded by scrapped plans for sequels to the 2013 Evil Dead reboot, which I'm glad because I didn't really care for that one, and uh, Army of Darkness 1992, and a fourth season of Ash vs. Evil Dead 2015 through 2018. By October 19th, uh, excuse me, October of 2019, uh, Sam Raimi announced a new film in development and Bruce Campbell executive uh, producing. Principal photography, fuck, a minute and a half, and there's your first one. Fucking can't speak English. Principal photography took place in New Zealand from June till October of 2021. Set to premiere on HBO Max, but Warner Brothers opted to uh, release it theatrically after positive test screenings, which I'm not surprised because the franchise has been around for, was that, 42 years now? Uh, do the May? Yeah. Yeah. 1981. Uh, Bruce Campbell actively, not actively, excuse me, actually features in a voice cameo heard in a recording on one of the uh, records from 1923. He's an unnamed character uh, forewarning the priest uh, danger uh, shouting, it's called the Book of the Dead for a reason, you idiot. Awesome. Uh, as written by, there's your second one, Bry. <laughs> I meant to say bye. Uh, as written by brother Ivan Ramey, it's supposed to be a sequel to Army of Darkness. By 2013, Campbell opted to do an Army of Darkness 2, but by the end of the year, uh, switched gears and was um, developed into Ash versus the Evil Dead series. So essentially, Ash vs. the Evil Dead is supposed to be Army of Darkness 2. Uh, loosely, I suppose. Um, following cancellation of a fourth season, Raimi discussed the future of the franchise, stating that we would like to make another film, and uh, we are working on ideas now, currently. He wanted Campbell, but he stated, uh, Campbell stated that he retired the role as Ash, although another option would be a sequel to the 2013 reboot, and 
I'm glad that didn't happen as of now. Nothing that post-production wise, um, um, what's the, uh, visual components, uh, took over six months to complete. Uh, that's pretty crazy editing. So Ivan, or excuse me, I'm sorry. Um, Lee Cronin was, uh, in an editing suite, um, in Dublin where he lives. That's where he edited the film, which is pretty cool. Bruce, as far as now, or excuse me, as far as sound also continued, um, wow, I can't even fucking read my own gosh darn writing. It, maybe I'm just tripping on fucking Grover Washington. No, I doubt it. But uh, <laughs> Bruce contributed sound for uh, the scene arrangement of uh, the eye crunching sequence, like while eating an apple furiously. So there's an eye being crunched uh, during the film. And it's it's rather gruesome, but uh, that's pretty cool to think that Bruce was eating an apple and contributed that. He's, uh, he seems like a big goofball, which is awesome. Uh, as of box office gross, as of right now, within the last eight days, uh, it's grossed 46.9 million, roughly 47 million in a theater within a week. Pretty crazy. Rotten Tomatoes has an at 84 point, or excuse me, just 84% uh, with a 7.1 out of 10. Uh, Metacritic gives it a 68 out of 100. So boo on them for a change rather than usually it's Rotten Tomatoes. That's ass. Uh, the plan for the feature is a, a film every two to three years uh, is pertaining on the success of this film as of what uh, Mr. Ramey states. Uh, IMDb has it at a 7.2 out of 21,000. Well-deserved. The synopsis here briefly is a twisted uh, tale of two estranged sisters. Reunion is cut short by the rise of the demons, uh, thrusting them into a primal but uh, interesting survival as they face a nightmare version of you know imaginative uh, family ties, essentially. Trivially, uh, director <clears throat> Lee Cronin in an interview boasted about 6,500 liters or over 720, uh, excuse me, 1720 uh, gallons of fake blood was used for the film. That's pretty crazy. The pizza place that the kids go to is actually called Henrietta's as a reference to Henrietta Nobi, the demon in the basement of uh, the second film, Evil Dead 2. Uh, all the characters' names are after actors who have appeared in the previous uh, franchise installments, which that's a pretty cool nod. Uh, the building the film takes place in is called Monde, which is an anagram for demon. Also pretty cool. Uh, and on that note, as far as an anagram, I don't know if you guys know this, you know, uh, you know, Mr. Mojo Ryzen is actually an anagram for Jim Morrison, you know, so hell yeah, shout out to the doors. Uh, other regions known as uh, Evil Dead Now instead of Evil Dead Rise or the version that I watched with Spanish subtitles uh, said Evil Dead de Despertar. I loved it personally. Pros, practical effects were great. Very little CGI, or if there was, it, it looked phenomenal because I thought it looked like regular ass. That's what I want to see is, you know, 70s through 90s practical effects. Love it. Uh, the cheese grater sequence on the leg, that was pretty gnarly. I mean, it didn't come out gnarly, but just the idea of using a cheese grater to like scrape somebody's like skin. Ooh, just, ooh. Uh, the glass through the hand, that was pretty cool. Like when, um, the uh, sister gets like stabbed through the hand. That was a trip. The chainsaw and boomstick in the uh, parking garage. That was awesome. You know, it was a really cool nod. Um, the pacing was done really well too. It was very fast paced. Uh, con. I only have, I think like one con. I felt that it was too forced how they kind of fell uh, upon the Necronomicon. Like they had an earthquake and they were like, oh, look, there's a hole in the ground in the uh, parking garage. Oh, look, there's a vault here. Oh, look, there's... <laughs> That's just how I felt. Oh, look, there's an old book here that looks evil. Maybe I should take it up to my room. And, oh, look, there's a phonograph. Let me play the phonograph. And I just automatically know how to play it backwards. Oh, look, there's three of them. Maybe I should listen to them chronologically. Oh, look, 
I got pricked by blood and the Necronomicon opens. I mean, that aspect of the film, that little tiny part rel relatively in the beginning kind of just threw me off. But other than that, it was a great ride. I, I really enjoyed this film. Um, the beginning of it is essentially the end of the film. It's like maybe five minutes at most. And you won't really realize that until the end. And then you're like, oh, it's explained because it's a day before. Or, you know, on the movie I said I watched with Spanish subtitles, what was it? Un dia antes de? Yeah, meaning a day before. Yeah. So, anyway, Ash vs. Evil Dead. Go watch it. It was great. I really enjoyed it. A well-worthy franchise. Well, installment within the franchise is what I was trying to say. There you have it. All right, moving on to the next thing. All right. Listening to uh, Space Slug. Lamanus, Lamanus, I'm not quite sure to pronounce it, 2016 album, reminiscent of uh, Space Lords, kind of just the sleep, just psychedelic uh, metal, I guess, if you will. Uh, anyway, uh, this one was actually mentioned to me before by my buddy uh, Austin. Uh, he was like, dude, you got to watch Leatherface, the uh, direct TV uh, 2017 film. And uh, I picked it up at Goodwill. So that was a recent pickup uh, like two nights ago. I picked this up in a Good Guys Wear Black, the uh, Chuck Norris 70s film. I got to watch that. But uh, as of right now, I watched Leatherface and I'm going to talk to you guys about it. Came out 2017. It's a uh, uh, actually, yeah, I'm surprised that I found it on DVD considering it had a limited theatrical release and it was a direct uh, TV uh, exclusive. But uh, it is rated R, hour 30 minutes, has a five out of 25,000 reviews and imdb personally i'd at least give it a six it was a decent uh origins uh installment within the franchise i want more now i want a beginning story with the mom and the grandpa why they're so twisted perhaps uh oh man i mean come on it, it had frost slash the gates steven dorf in it i mean it was great he played the uh essentially the twisted um sheriff in this film hell bent on uh, revenge i'll get to that momentarily uh, labeled as crime horror thriller, and eh, sure, that's fine. A teenage uh, Leatherface, uh, Jed slash Jackson is his name in the uh, mental institution, is in a particular institution, escapes from the uh, hospital with three inmates. Uh, Bud, who's his brother, gets shot in the fucking head by the sh a different sheriff. Uh, Jed basically essentially goes apeshit from that sequence, and that's basically the origins of uh, Leatherface's the fact that like his family members and everything just around him just keeps getting twisted and just more demented. He basically just snaps himself. The uh, three escapees kidnap a young nurse who uh, Jackson, a.k.a. Jed's character, basically takes a liking to because he's more or less like a normal human being in this. And then due to a, a certain amount of events that take place, he just snaps, as I stated. Uh, while being pursued by Dorf's character, Hellbent on Revenge, since as a kid, Jed had a, a giant like pig mask on essentially i believe from like a pig carcass and uh led a uh, trapped girl or excuse me led a girl into a barn and then she was basically trapped by a kind of like a trap door i guess if you will covered in hay she falls uh probably about 10 20 feet lands and then she's covered in blood and then they uh clinging for her life they drop a, a giant car motor is what it looks like on her and then it crushes her that's just beginning of this film it's incredibly brutal wow Two minutes, 45 seconds. Can't fucking speak English. It's incredibly brutal and consistently gory. Uh, directed by Frenchmen Alexandre Bustillo and uh, Julian Maury, known for their film Inside 2007, which now I want to watch because with the success of this film, in my opinion, I'm like, well, uh, an older film that they did must be uh, decent, so I got to watch that. 
this film also stars Lilla, Lily, excuse me, Lily Taylor from 2013's The Conjuring as Verna Sawyer, the mother, and a bunch of up-and-coming English actors and actresses. The tagline is, witness the beginning of your end, which is awesome. Uh. Excuse me. Tribually, the house scene in 1974 original with Toby Hooper was rebuilt for this film particularly. Uh, Toby Hooper, sadly, this is his final film as producer before his death of natural causes in August of 2017. Rest in peace. You were a great director, sir. Also making uh, the iconic poltergeist, of course. Uh, first within the franchise, not filmed in the U.S., but in Bulgaria due to its budget. Let me change the page here. Uh, the film prem or, uh, premiered on DirecTV before a limited theatrical release. It is the eighth film uh, installment within the franchise, and the body count for this film is 22 people. That's a lot. Uh, released September 2017 in Italy, and it grossed $1.4 million. That's on IMDb and Wikipedia. So for once, they finally got the right fucking budget. It's like 1.469 something, you know, giggity, right? 6.9, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they managed to have the same budget, surprisingly. Production was planned to shoot in Louisiana, but wasn't greenlit for that. Uh, principal photography began May of 2015 in Bulgaria. It's the only film within the uh, series to be shot outside of the U.S. Most are in Texas, some are in Louisiana, as well as California. Sets chosen to uh, resemble Texas terrain. It was temporarily shelved by Lionsgate in 2016, then exclusively uh, premiering on DirecTV September of 2017. I have the DVD, as I stated. I was surprised to ever find this, considering its limited, I guess, physical release. In uh, 2013, due to the success of the awful Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3D, I, I hated that one. I thought it was stupid. I saw it in uh, Florida, I think, when it premiered. Uh, began a sequel to be called um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 4. The idea for a prequel came from uh, Hollywood screenwriter Seth M. Sherwood, dissatisfied with the inconsistencies of the franchise continuity, opting to make a film that wasn't another sequel. Sherwood chose to make Leatherface not mentally disabled, devoid of personality, but instead making him a normal human being with you know, normal functions initially. Approaching it as uh, moments of his younger years rather than a, a breakdown of his entire past, more or less. Much of the budget was made on a realistic cow carcass, as the uh, producer stated, uh, to be realistic as possible with practical effects, which mostly they use practical effects in this film, which I am happy with that. It's just it's much more realistic to me. And the fact that there's just so much art involved with that rather than a fucking computer. That's just my opinion. Two chainsaws were created for this, a rubber one and an electric. The rubber we used for uh, safety, and the electric was obviously to give it that uh, you know natural like chainsaw uh, gas-propelled effect. Using CGI sparingly, as they stated, only when they needed to do so. The intention of the film is to be for viewers who haven't seen the previous films so that they could actually watch them in a particular timeline, not to uh, cause confusion within the story. So that's pretty cool. Uh, of course, here's uh, some reviews that sound... Yeah, anyway, Rotten Tomatoes, 30%, 4 out of 10. Metacritic, 40%. Lame. <laughs> as far as future development in 2018, Legendary Pictures was in the running to buy the franchise with interest for TV. Now, they could do a TV uh, series, but I would want to... I would have to use the films in canon. Not to their entirety, but I mean, you know, they could choose bits and pieces. And I would start from this. I would start from this film and then go up until, you know, the 2006 or 7, whatever films those were, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with doing that. And just do like one or two seasons and call it a day. Kind of like how they did Ash vs. Evil Dead. Three seasons, that's all we need. You know, just something short and sweet. Get to the point and move on. 
2019, new film development began. It is a sequel to the original, and it picks up decades later after the original. Uh, not within this timeline, uh, interesting enough. Uh, it released 2022 on Netflix, apparently. I didn't even know about this film, so now I'm going to have to go hunt that film down and watch that and perhaps talk about it. This entire episode is probably going to be just uh, horror films. Maybe I'll watch uh, Good Guys Wear Black, and I'll throw that in there for you guys as well. It's not that I don't want to watch it. It's just I'm already kind of on a horror roll here. And uh, I want to talk to you guys about the next horror film that I've been wanting to watch for a long time, ever since I knew it came out. And I found the DVD at a FYE uh, last night for $7. I'm surprised FYE still has movies because they're kind of like Lunchbox meets like Hot Topic now. It's all anime and toys and t-shirts and stickers and shit like that, which it is what it is. But all right, moving on to the next film. What's up, everybody? Marshall Media Montage. I'm going to be talking about Pet Cemetery 2. This film's been on my watch list for many, many years since I knew that there was a sequel. It's a recent pickup of mine that I picked up at uh, FYE for $6.99. Uh, FYE is not necessarily uh, nearly as media-driven as it used to be. There's still sparingly a couple DVDs and CDs, but it's mostly like how Hot Topic and Lunchbox are. Um, it's mostly like anime figurines and t-shirts, stickers, patches, that kind of shit now, uh, which is okay. Uh, I want to pick up movies and records and stuff along with what they have now, of course. Um, I got in the background space slug planetary dilemma. I believe it's a 2017 album. Uh, I can hear it just fine. It's on a couple computers down for me because yeah, I'm actually recording at work, uh, after hours because I have to be here and I have time to do so. So why not? This film came out in 1992. It's rated R. It's an hour and 40 minutes labeled as fantasy horror thriller. And that works. Sure. A teenage boy, uh, <clears throat> Edward Furlong and his father moved to their mother's recently deceased hometown where they encountered the cemetery with power to, uh, raise the dead from a, you know, native American burial ground. Uh, the premise is it's completely different from the uh, original. Uh, and I'll get into that momentarily. As a 4.9 out of 22,000 reviews, I'd give it at least a five and a half. I enjoyed this unnecessary sequel with Clancy Brown, uh, Edward Furlong, and Anthony Edwards from Revenge of the Nerds, who plays Gilbert. Directed by Mary Lambert, known for the first film that she did in 1989, which is the first installment of this quote-unquote, I guess, franchise, if you will. Because, I mean, I guess you can count the third one, which is supposed to be a remake that uh, came out a few years ago, and I didn't care for that one. I, the, these two are much better in my mind. Uh, the tagline is, some stories just won't stay dead. Solid stuff. I like that one. Trivially, Mary Lambert, director, uh, stated that the original concept would have involved Ellie Creed as the central character, being the only survivor from the first film, although Paramount wasn't confident in making the film's lead a teenage girl. So the story was written with new characters and a male protagonist. 13-year-old Edward Furlong cast his lead role capitalizing on his fame from last year's film terminator 2 1991 which is arguably the best in the franchise i mean if you want to hear me talk about terminator 2 i was going to say on my buddy's uh, kicking ass podcast with uh, austin and myself tyler we uh it's it's a great episode where we just talk about the terminator uh, films and their franchise and their legacy and so forth uh anthony edwards met future wife uh janine labelle on set <clears throat> The monster arm prop used on the movie set at the beginning of the film, the uh, skeleton's uh, hands and arms or whatever, uh, is actually the arm from the skeleton on the pond in the film uh, It, 1990. So that's fucking cool that they decided to use uh, a similar prop. So shout out to that film. I love that film. Much more so than the uh, 
I guess, remakes, uh, if you will, that came out with Bill Skarsgård. I mean, they, they weren't bad. They follow the novel much more so than the original TV movie uh, adaptation did. But there's just some, I don't know, some sort of magic with me in, in regards to uh, Tim Curry's uh, character acting. I just love that. Uh, production started in 1992. The director wanted to film in Maine, but producers switched to Georgia because they were wary of Maine's winter weather around that time when they were filming. Uh, the scene where Zowie the dog breaks into Gus's rabbit cage. Gus's character is uh, Clancy Brown. That sequence was shot in cuts. Guts, rit, guts. Yeah, guts. What am I fucking talking about? Berserk? That's a great anime. I'm not going to wish that one into fruition, but I mean, I can talk about it on a, another episode because I got like four or five movies that I already researched and I want to cover those. But uh, sure, I'll talk Berserk another, uh, another um, fucking episode of this podcast because that anime is nuts. But Gus... <laughs> There, I can fucking speak English now. Gus rigged the cage with electrical surge to shock anyone. Uh, the dog was uh, taught to push an object that sets off special effects strictly for visual purposes, and the dog was not harmed whatsoever on set. So that's good. Anthony Edwards' character is uh, watching Once Upon a Time in America 1984, which I already discussed on my show many episodes ago, uh, which featured Darlene um, Flugel, who plays his wife Renee in this film. Um, I got more trivia because it's interesting, so bear with me on this film. Both films' closing credits feature songs by the Ramones. That's fucking awesome, so shout out to the Ramones. Uh, the bully in the film's name is Clyde Parker. <clears throat> it is uh, slated, or excuse me, it's played by the blonde neighbor um, from the film Honey, I Shrunk the Kids in the 80s, the Disney film. And he's also in a big, I can't remember his name for the life of me right now. Uh, he shares his name with Bonnie Parker and uh, Clyde Barrow, the uh, infamous you know duo in the shootout. Uh, he, the Warren Beatty film was awesome. I loved it. Uh, also, some interesting similarities uh, between Terminator 2 Judgment Day and uh, Pet Cemetery 2 with Edward Furlong. This is pretty cool. Both are sequels. Uh, he takes a part in a, a chase scene involving a motorcycle, like in both films. In T2, his foster mother is killed and then imitated by the T-1000. In this one, his mom is literally brought back from the dead. Uh, in this film, nearly killed by the police. And in T2, it's the T-1000's imitation that's trying to kill him. And in this film, the resurrected sheriff, Gus, uh, played by Clancy Brown, tries to kill him. So pretty crazy stuff. A lot of similarities. Really cool. Released August 28th, 1992, with a budget of $8 million And it only grossed, or excuse me, it grossed $17 million. So I'd consider it a success. Uh, now, on Wikipedia, the film was uh, <clears throat> overall received negatively, but Clancy Brown's performance received critical acclaim. Stephen King also had his name removed from this film prior to its release. Pretty crazy. Uh, VHS release, April 1993, DVD in 2001, Blu-ray in 2020. Uh, I'm not sitting next to the computer that's playing the music right now, and it's a commercial on YouTube, so fuck it. Just listen to it. I'm not editing out. We're going raw. Rotten Tomatoes, 22%, 3.7 out of 10. Metacritic, 35 out of 100. Clancy Brown steals the show and uh, is nominated for Best Supporting Actor at the 1993 Fangoria Chainsaw Awards, but lost to Anthony Hopkins' uh, role in Bram Stoker's Dracula, which is no contest. Clearly a much better film. I mean, Gary Oldman and, you know, Keanu Reeves, it's just, it's a fucking phenomenal film. I believe it's a, it's a Coppola film, if I'm not mistaken. Regardless, I enjoyed this film. Uh, much more than I thought I was going to. I thought this was going to be really stupid. Uh, one and two, 
it's almost even though the plot and the premise of the second film is a completely different story comparative to the first film it's almost like one big film like if there was an intermission or like picture like the midnight movie madness uh pictures that you can pick up you know the movies that came out like the 70s and 80s that flopped and you can get them for like five bucks at walmart it's like midnight movie madness and it's like two piece of shit movies i mean i, I would almost want to see one and two like together because i mean not i'm not calling this a piece of shit but i mean that just sounds bad that's a bad example but uh no i mean one and two they're completely separate from one another but they're both good in their own right so i'm glad that i watched this i'm glad that i own it i would recommend watching it pet cemetery 2 go watch it all right next film All right, well, you get a twofer uh, for this episode. I'm going to be talking about the uh, follow-up film, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022, because, uh, like I said, I picked up the first one at Goodwill, the 2017 uh, prequel. I had no idea that this film even came out, even though my buddy Austin was mentioning to me uh, this film pretty much the entire time, and I was talking to him about the prequel, and I misunderstood him, and then I was like, well, now that you corrected me, i got to find this film, hunt it down, and watch it. And I did. So here it is. Text Chase... <laughs> 30 seconds in, and I can't even fucking speak English. <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, the sequel, I guess, if you will, uh, 2022. Bear with me, because I will explain the uh, aspect in regard of the uh, sequel. Um, starting with Wikipedia this time, directed by David Blue Garcia. Uh, ninth film within the series, because obviously the 2017 prequel was the eighth, technically. Uh, I had to watch it since I had no idea of these two new films of the franchise. Now I will cover them. Set decades after the original, it's a joint venture production between Legendary Pictures, Exerbia Films, and Bad Ombre. After the release of 2017's films, uh, Liongate, Lionsgate plural, excuse me, had plans for five more films. However, the studio lost rights due to the uh, time it took to release its uh, <coughs> Legendary acquired the rights then after the fact. Filming also took place in Bulgaria, just like the previous installment. It was received negatively for a lack of suspense. I disagree. There's a fair amount of gore and suspense in this film. Not nearly as much as perhaps other installments, but, you know, the gore is definitely there. I don't understand the hate on this film. I, it's Anything is better than the 3D film that came out in 2013. I fucking hated that movie. Uh, producer Krista Campbell states that the fate of the potential sequels would largely depend on the success of this film. The film is designed to be a sequel to the original with a 60-year-old Leatherface with a similar approach to the Blumhouse Halloween productions. See, that's what I'm saying. Like, The fact is that they brought Laurie Strode back for that trilogy that they made, and it, it kind of uncanonized the original, I guess, chronological orders, if you will, in regards to how they preceded the uh, film. Same with uh, this sequence, the uh, Lionsgate film, this Leatherface, or not in the other... Leatherface, excuse me, Leatherface was the uh, prequel, although there's also number three Leatherface that came out in the 80s with the Excalibur fucking advertisement for it, which was awesome, but anyway, I digress, um, this film essentially followed suit with the whole uh, Blumhouse Halloween uh, trilogy in regards to creating a direct sequel, and they even brought back um, one of the original girls, but obviously not played by the original girl because she passed, I believe in 2014. I will get into that momentarily. I just had something to say. So I wanted to get it off my chest. So they kind of imitated what the Halloween films did, but they decided to do it with their own kind of flavor, if you will. Anyway, the film, 
I feel it delivers the goods, personally. Uh, Mark Burnham, cast as Leatherface, replaces Gunnar Hansen. I mean, because, you know, Gunnar's getting pretty old, but still really, really cool. I mean, Gunnar Hansen did a lot of uh, other horror films just besides this one. Uh, director Garcia said that it was a challenge to make uh, Bulgaria look like Texas. They made it more like West Texas near the mountains. It just seemed easier for them to do so, as they stated. Uh, praise for uh, building good replicas, nonetheless. It was an old-school approach with vintage lenses and practical effects for gore, and it succeeds. The film um, lasted, or excuse me, it debuted at number two on Netflix and then number three on the global charts that week. Rotten Tomatoes, fuck off, 31%, 4.3 out of 10, go figure. Metacritic, 34 out of 100. I use Metacritic for video games, personally, much more so than I do movies. Uh, the film overall is rather conservative in its messaging of gun violence and gentrification, but still delivers the gore overall, as I stated. I enjoyed it. Especially the sequence, the bus sequence. Oh, my God. Like, you know, he goes on the bus because uh, they're trying to essentially get away because the um, bus goes to the town of Harlow to uh, basically promote their little... Um, like chef cooking area they're like oh this is gonna be great for crit crids yeah four minutes and 15 seconds crids this is gonna be fucking great for kids damn it i can't speak english go figure uh you know so there's a bus of people and investors that are interested and then they're having a party on the bus and then he shows up on the bus and they all what do they do they're fucking kids they pull out their phones we're gonna cancel you bro and then he just instantly pulls out the chainsaw he's like yeah fuck off just murks them all cuts this one girl in half she falls out the window cuts this other guy in half from top to bottom and it looks awesome he looks like the t-1000 at the end of a uh, terminator 2 when he gets blown up just like all bits and pieces oh it's yeah awesome i was so happy like these damn kids with their technology and their phones and i sound like i sound like my old man now i sound like an old man damn kids and their damn mtv and i don't know what is mtv anymore probably crap anyway uh anyway <laughs> so IMDb, moving on. Rated R, hour and 21 minutes. After 48 years of hiding, Leatherface returns to terrorize a group of idealistic young um, kids who accidentally disrupt his uh, carefully shielded world in a remote Texas town. The tagline is, 1974, the world witnessed one of the most bizarre um, crimes in the annals of American history. In 2022, the face of madness returns. Uh, I don't normally like long taglines. I just, I don't feel like it's necessary. Like, I'd rather them just be like, the saw is the law and it's back kind of thing. You know, but I mean, this one, it works because it pays homage to the original. I like that. So, yeah. Trivially, John Larroquette narrates the opening as well in the 1974 original and in the remake 2003 as well as this film. The first film to feature Sally from the original, but played by Olwen Fourier, uh, original was Marilyn Burns, who passed tragically August 5th, 2014. This uh, feat is also similar to that of, like I said, the Blumhouse Halloween, where they introduced Jamie Lee Curtis as Laurie Strode. So they clearly, you know, pay nods and homage to that. So that's cool. Harlow's population in the film Trivia Lee was 1974. So 1,974 people, same year of the original film's release. Pretty cool. Sally's uh, barn during the intro sequence uh, when you finally see her are sets from the Rambo film Last Blood 2019. Uh, lastly, they couldn't run the chainsaw on the bus because of the exhaust. It would fill up the bus and then people would suffocate. So pretty crazy. So I'm assuming they probably used an electric and a rubber one just like in the 2017 film. I couldn't find anything else on that. Uh, the budget was 20 million gross unknown, but uh, surprisingly, it had 29 million subscribers watching the film. So it sounds like a success to me. So I don't know if I want five more films. I want more or less a uh, an Origins prequel, as I stated. 
with um, the mother and the grandpa, like, why are they so twisted? Kind of like what uh, Ty West did with, like, Pearl or X. And personally, as I stated before, I think Pearl was better than X. X, I was like, what the hell? I almost feel like they should have released it in order. And uh, maybe perhaps it would have made more sense. I would have liked it more. I don't know. But, uh, and then if, so yes, I want to see a prequel to the prequel. I know that sounds strange. And then uh, I wouldn't mind seeing a sequel from this film. But personally, like, it's nothing against any of the, uh, you know, iconic big four from the metal, not metal perspective, the uh, horror film perspective. But of course, I have to make a note of metal perspective. But, uh, you know, uh, what, uh, Leatherface, uh, Jason, Michael, and uh, Freddy. I wouldn't mind seeing a sequel from this, but in regards to what the Bloomhouse production did, I wouldn't mind seeing Leatherface die. I'm like, he's a 60-year-old whatever man carrying around a chainsaw. Like, he, he can't do it forever. He's getting old. He's a human. He's not, you know, Freddy or Jason, who's some sort of demonic creature type thing. So, if they make another one, personally, I would like to see Leatherface die. Or at least, if he does die, like, I don't know, maybe he... Well, obviously, he doesn't really speak. I was going to say maybe he has some sort of, like, monologue with somebody and then somebody else takes over. But, no, I'd rather them just see it put it to rest. It's not that I don't like these movies, but I'm just like, it's it's time to put the chainsaw down there, uh, <laughs> Gunner. <laughs> anyway, I liked this film much more than I anticipated, you know, despite all the haters. So, anyway, go watch it. <clears throat> well appropriate enough for these uh, last two uh, films I'm going to be talking about I still got this, uh, what is it Space Slug on with travel or time travel dilemma the uh, 2017 album I don't know if you guys can hear it I can hear it but I'm going to be talking Body Snatchers 93 uh, first and foremost before I get into uh, you know Wikipedia and IMDB I was watching it and just some weird sequences that I saw I had to uh, write down and here they are a sequence between the uh, father's daughter. He meets up with another daughter, uh, takes her to her home, and meets the parents. And I'm laughing because this is—it's it, probably not funny, but it's funny to me. Uh, mom, this is Marty. Marty, this is my mom. She's an alcoholic. And then the blonde girl grabs her drink, takes a sip, and she says, "I'll be an alcoholic too someday." So they say, <laughs> or so, uh, like psychologists they say, or something like that. She said, "I was like, what the hell?" And then she takes a drag of her. Uh, cigarette the mom who happens to be asleep because she's an alcoholic <laughs> just so ridiculous uh gunnery sergeant from full metal jacket alchemist yeah shout out to the anime and the classic uh kubrick film has a pretty sweet mustache in this movie uh forrest whitaker gump um <laughs> oh it's funny funny to me at least forrest gump ha ha tom hanks then forrest whitaker the uh, black actor in this too uh smoking a cigarette like it's going out of style uh, you don't see anything remotely alien until some of the pods in a lake show up around 32 minutes in so it's i'm kind of indifferent about this film it's it's okay then a minute later the shell of a boy's mom uh disintegrates and comes out of the closet and she's nude as a doppelganger kind of reminiscent to how the uh, 78 film was sort of uh it's sad but it's also kind of funny that the base commander's daughter's last name platt uh, only finds out that there's something wrong with her mom then when she finds the glass that she normally drinks from is filled with water and not vodka but i guess it's a dead giveaway if you if you know your parents you know your parents or vice versa they know you so i guess that was a dead giveaway but like i said kind of sad but whatever moving on about 45 minutes in my audio file on this film that i was watching cuts out so but <laughs> tentacles are coming out through the vents into the bathtub and into the uh 
Mingrel uh, Marty looks like it, it kind of reminiscent of the uh, sequence from the first uh, Nightmare on Elm Street sequence where uh, Nancy, you know, is in the bathtub and then the claw obviously comes up. But I mean, it's not necessarily shot like that, but it's just the way that she looks and the way that she's sitting in the bathtub. I instantly got Nightmare on Elm Street vibes. So I'm clearly watching this film just for visual uh, perspective and I'll grab what info I can regardless for the remainder of the uh, film since the last 45 minutes I had no audio. I was just like, all right, well, I'll watch the rest of this, I guess. I skipped ahead a couple sequences, but I still managed to get uh, Wikipedia and IMDb regardless. <clears throat> the main protagonist's uh, daughter, the alien twin falls through the ceiling after the bathtub sequence, and the dad's alien, I mean, she runs out of the bathtub, and then, you know, she finds her dad on the bed, and because uh, the uh, stepmom is already an alien at the time, uh, the dad's alien twin comes out from underneath the bed, but they both seem rather incomplete. They're uh, alien doppelgangers. They're, like, very rubbery. They don't look... Uh, complete like how the um, stepmother does um, there's also a sequence where Marty the daughter shoots the dad you're uncertain at the time where he's in a jeep and he gets out and he's like trying to tell her no don't shoot me but you're uncertain if it's really him and uh, fortunately it wasn't so she did kill the uh, alien in that particular sequence at an hour and 18 minutes uh, Marty's little brother turns out to be an alien as they escape this sequence is funny it's probably not meant to be funny but it's funny to me now and they escape <clears throat> on a helicopter. He tries to choke uh, Marty within the helicopter, but it's like she's fighting a little person, and it's supposed to be dramatic, but it's not. <laughs> it's humorous, and she throws him off, and it looks like the sequence in uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3 in the 90s when uh, Walker falls off the cliff. Uh, priceless. It, It's pretty bad, that part, but whatever. <laughs> uh, moving on. Uh, Body Snatchers, 1993, rated R, an hour and 27 minutes, has a 6 out of 20,000 reviews on IMDb. I'd give it less because, as I stated, it was just okay. I love the 1978 one more. I even love the 1956 film, too. I heard about it on a Horror Movie Night podcast. I still had no idea that this even existed, and I was like, all right, I'm going to have to uh, get a copy of this and watch it. Labeled as Horror Sci-Fi, uh, the plot loosely here a teenage girl and her father discover alien clones replacing humans on a remote military base in alabama where they also managed to film the film film the film yeah sure it makes sense you get it uh as i stated my copy's audio file cut out about 45 minutes through but i'm reviewing it regardless uh directed by abel ferrara known for harvey keitel's bad lieutenant awesome film 1992 the year prior that's a great weird film that harvey keitel did uh, features R. Lee Ermey, as I stated, as the uh, general, like that of uh, the gunnery sergeant in Full Metal Jacket. Forrest Whitaker as Dr. Collins, and really no one else worthy of mentioning, in my opinion. Uh, the tagline is, the invasion continues. There you go. It's all you need, just a couple words and sure, perfect. Trivially, first film shot with uh, aeroscope anamorphics created by German manufacturer ISO Optics, so that's pretty cool. Stuart Gordon was set to direct, known for Reanimator in 85 and From Beyond 86. Those are arguably some of the greatest uh, 80s, just weird horror sci-fi films like ever created, but replaced by Abel Ferrara. Scheduled to release in October of 1992, but uh, Candyman, as well as Hellraiser 3, Dr. Giggles, and Dracula, Bram Stoker's version, overwhelmed the film's potential, so it released January of 94. Although, it says January 94 here on IMDb, but then when I go on Wiki, I believe it's 93, so pff, you choose. Um, the film brought back the end title credit 
um, you know, title card, I guess, if you will, that went out of the Hollywood uh, era in the 1960s. Filmed in Alabama, as I stated. Budget $13 million, grossed $428,000. So, yes, it flopped. <clears throat> According to Wiki, the sci-fi horror film is loosely based on the 1955 novel by Jack Finney. It is the third film adaptation. The first was in 1956 and then in 78, as I stated. The 78 version has Donald Sutherland, uh, Jeff Goldblum. It's totally worth your guys' time if you haven't watched it. It is awesome. Released May 15th, 1993, but IMDb says 94. As I stated, you decide. I'm Beats me. Uh, praised for its realism, special effects, but criticized for its plot. Because, yes, the plot is kind of it's wonky. It's, like, all over the place. Uh, I had to review it because I also was... Um, I heard about uh, Roger Ebert's review of this, and uh, he considered it superior to the previous adaptations of the novel, which I don't agree with. He gave it four out of four stars, praising it for its psychological realism and social criticism, giving it the highest praise for horror films, That and it works in his perspective. I disagree. The 78 version is the best. I love the 56 one, too, because there's just something about its quirky campiness for the time. It's black and white, and the 78 one is just, ah, it's, it's a masterpiece. Uh, this one falls short. Regardless, I'm glad that I watched it, but it's nothing special. You can definitely watch better uh, uh, sci-fi horror. Uh, 70% on Rotten Tomatoes, 6.2 out of 10. As I stated, it was all right. I got a better uh, horror sci-fi film that I would like to talk about. So moving on to that one. Well, still got Space Slugs uh, going on in the background. Uh, was it? Yeah, I already forgot the album. It's a 2017 album, the same one that I've been listening to. Uh, it, it's very fitting for this film. I'm talking Species 2. Same thing. I heard about it on a Horror Movie Night podcast. They were talking about a particular sequence. And I was like, well, that sounds interesting. I got to watch this. So I'm pretty sure that I've seen the original with uh, my neighbors across the street, Derek and Jeff, back in the day, you know, going to like Blockbuster and, you know, us as kids. Oh, my gosh, there's this hot blonde girl and she's in the bathtub or a jacuzzi or whatever. And she's... <laughs> you know i don't know killing these guys and she's hot and naked sure let's watch this but uh yeah but then i heard about a sequence with disturbing tentacles and in, in uh like i stated the horror movie night podcast i was like all right i gotta watch this so it reminded me uh that sequence of like a basket case sequel with the weird baby like creature from the girl's stomach you know as if it was in a utero not nearly as comedic and it's definitely much more disturbing for sure in this uh film but it's nothing like I don't know. Maybe I'm just kind of jaded to this kind of stuff. But, I mean, it's nothing that I'm like, oh, God, like, you know, I'm going to puke or I can never watch this again because it scarred me. It's it's 1998 special effects. So, anyway, in regards to that, it's a 1998 sequel to the original directed by Peter Medak in 95. Stars uh, Michael Madsen and James Cromwell. Madsen and Marg Helgenberger reprise their role in this installment. Astronaut Patrick Ross is infected uh, on his mission to Mars, causing the death of many women when he returns and uh, obviously producing offspring and so forth uh, within the women because he rapes them and then weird tentacles come out of him and shit too. There's a lot of weird tentacles in this movie. It's like the thing meets uh, aliens uh, xenomorphs. I'll get to that momentarily. Uh, the scientist who created him must stop him using a clone uh, extraterrestrial uh, hybrid known as Eve. Eve is an acronym. I will explain that as well momentarily. Released April 10th, 1998, it is a commercial and critical farrier. Wow, what the fuck is wrong with me? Two minutes and ten seconds. Can't fucking speak English. It is a critical failure compared to its predecessor, but spawned a sequel 
movie for a TV uh, debuted film in 2004 known as Species 3. The film took inspiration from the Manchurian Candidate where a... uh, (coughs) There's uh, people on a mission and uh, they essentially... Some of them come back with a demon inside and it, it is approached with a different angle, this film, not to feel stale like most horror sequels do as what the producers and writers were stating about this film. Uh, the nature of the species explored to a greater extent in this installment than the uh, previous uh, film. It's also stipulated that it is a cancerous race that visited Mars millions of years ago, annihilating all life on its surface before leaving a, a remnant of their own DNA in its soil. The DNA was intended to be picked up by other visitors so that their species could continue to infect other inhabited planets. So it was well thought out. It's cool that you could see that in writing because I, I feel like in the film that aspect isn't really necessarily explained unless I miss something. Unlike the previous film, in this movie, it's not just built for mating, the uh, alien, I guess, if you will, but combat as well. Patrick's second form is xenomorph-like on purpose. On purpose. Yeah, three minutes and 30 seconds. Can't fucking speak English. I already lost count how many times I can't speak English on this. I'm going to say around maybe eight total out of the six or seven movies that I covered. Jesus. Uh... His xenomorph-like form was designed by alien veteran H.R. Geiger. So, shout out to Alien, as always. Released VHS and DVD at the same time, October 20th, 1998. It had a $35 million budget and grossed $26 million. So, it was technically a failure, difference of $9 million. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes gives it, uh, I think, 9% total. It was also nominated at the 1998 Stinker Movie Awards, nominated for the worst sequel, but lost to I Still Know What You Did Last Summer. I vaguely remember those movies. I know what you did and still know what you did. I don't know. Anyway. Merchandise-wise, McFarlane toy uh, was made for Eve and Patrick, uh, alien-like form action figures. Pretty cool. They came with uh, the film's poster with skulls and a bone base. And I had to check out eBay. I was curious. They range from anywhere between 40 to $80 each, depending on the condition, which is pretty damn cool. I'd be down to have one. There are variants to Eve's toys as well. A rated R version had nipples on her breasts on the toy, where the PG version uh, figurine had them removed, of course. The R figurine was released in comic books and collectible stores, while the PG was only released in toy stores. IMDb gives it a 4.5 out of 30,000 reviews. The director is known for The Changeling, 1980, a great ghost story film. The Craze, 1990, which is kind of like Untouchables meets like you know, insert mobster action film from the 90s here. Uh, also starring Mike Kelty Williamson, known for uh, his Bubba Gump role in uh, Forrest Gump, as well as Heat with uh, Robert De Niro in 1995. So shout out to both of those films. Uh, tagline is, Terror in the Flesh. Sure, that, that that's fine, I guess. Uh, trivially, as I stated, EVE is an acronym standing for Extraterrestrial Vulnerability Experiment. Pretty cool. Most nude scenes, like sex or strip clubs, were shortened, but can be seen full on DVD extras. So there you go, you fucking perverts. Ha <laughs> uh, On the poster DVD cover, Eve is in black leather, but in the film, she actually never wears it. Previously, Michael Madsen and McKelty Williams... Uh, Williamson, I believe? Yeah, Williamson. Uh, actually co-starred previously in um, the first two Free Willy films. Uh, filmed in Baltimore, England. That is the last uh, piece of trivia I have there for you. Uh, near the end of the film, I cracked up at a tentacle coming out of Eve's nipple. Just the way that it looked, it looked just ridiculous. Uh, the Near the end, 
it reminded me of like a blood cotton candy reference to like killer clowns the way that the alien cocoons looked in this barn it was kind of funny like i don't think they were designed to look like the way that they did but instantly i thought of the kyoto bros uh, 88 film the final alien forms look cool but their functionality is definitely limited it's rather cheesy granted i get it it's 1998 and that's probably where most of their budget went to was creating these uh, prosthetics uh, it's like the thing meets xenomorphs the way that they kind of look. Uh, the creature dies with a pitchfork in its back. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, what's funny near the end too, like right before the credits, uh, the uh, McKelty Williamson gets lifted into a, a helicopter and hopefully gets laid this time around because he, the poor guy has been talking about trying to get laid after 11 months in space and <laughs> the, pretty much the entirety of the film. So there you have it. Uh, all of these films... I uh, reviewed and watched for your entertainment as well as my entertainment as always. Uh, I managed to record this, yes, after hours at work. And I managed to watch three movies uh, after hours at work. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You know, despite getting work done as well as doing this. This is always a lot of fun to me. I always love the uh, support and thanks that you guys give me. And anybody wants to reach out to me and be on an episode and bullshit about some movies music video games toys anime whatever let's go i'm down so there you have it this episode in the bag everybody good night